0: This is the Spirit of Leading. Where we delve into the heart and soul of everyday leadership. Because a better world begins with each and every one of us making leadership real to our family, our workplace, and our community. The world needs you to be empowered to lead. Someone who can and will make a difference. So let's get started. The empowered are those who take the initiative to make things better for themselves and others. And I want you to meet two young people who have started early in life, living that empowered philosophy and making a difference. I'm Garland McWatters and welcome to The Spirit of Leading. I want you to meet Whitley and Rania O'Connor, who are working with the homeless and unemployed in Oklahoma City in a rather creative kind of way, giving them a way to be self-employed. They're doing it through a project called the Curbside Chronicle, which is a street magazine that is written in large part, or maybe exclusively, and sold exclusively by the homeless and the unemployed individuals here in Oklahoma City. Uh, Whitley and Rania, I want to thank you for taking time to share your story on The Spirit of Leading. Of course, thank you. By the way, we are recording this podcast in the office's of the Curbside Chronicle, which is in the Westtown Homeless Resource Campus operated by the Oklahoma City Homeless Alliance. You got interested in this project while you were still a a student at Vanderbilt. Yeah,
1: so when I graduated high school, I was really interested in nonprofits. But I realized kind of the issue with nonprofits I saw was that they're always struggling for funding. They're always trying to find money. Uh, and so I got to Nashville and and you know was kind of trying to plug myself into this nonprofit arena. And then I saw something kind of peculiar. There was someone selling a newspaper on the side of the road. um, And so naturally I I asked to buy one, I I checked it out. Uh, And what I saw was that they kind of had this model explaining what they were doing on the inside. And I found out that the person who had sold me that uh, newspaper was formerly homeless and that they bought this newspaper for for a quarter from the organization and sold it to a dollar to the public. And so this is a really interesting idea to me because this was a nonprofit organization, um, but they had this kind of business model to them. And so this kind of solved this, and in my head, kind of clicked. Okay, this is how you can run a nonprofit sustainably: is you have some type of product, some type of business, a revenue stream. And so over the next year, this this newspaper, it's called the Contributor in Nashville, really bloomed. And so they went from 10,000 newspapers a month sales in January 2010 to 120,000 a month in December of 2010. Uh, And in that time, they went from 100 vendors to 400 vendors and really just bloomed. And I was right there in the middle of that, seeing panhandling drastically decreasing, seeing more and more uh, vendors out selling on medians, on sidewalks, downtown. And so I, I was talking to them. They were talking about getting into housing, overcoming addictions, things of that nature and i started to think you know i'm from from oklahoma i have some work in oklahoma city that's probably why where i'll end up going after college why don't we have a program like this and especially over the breaks it it really kept coming back you know i would see the homeless begging for money on the corners holding signs that say work for food and it really just the more i i saw this contrast between the people selling in nashville and the homeless in my own city um, begging for money the more it made me think this is possible in our city. Why don't we have this? And so I really started looking into the model and seeing that it wasn't just Nashville. This was nationwide and it was worldwide.
0: And so it was very feasible that Oklahoma City would be a great place to, to plan it. So you started it while you were in school at Vanderbilt. Now, what was, who was your contact here? Did you just come back here during the break or something and kick off the idea? Or did you find people to work with here? How did that get started?
1: Yeah, so when I first had the idea, I was a sophomore. Uh, it was over Thanksgiving break and um, Debbie Hampton, who is the CEO of United Way of Central Oklahoma, uh, I had in, I had interned for her while she was at the Center for Nonprofits. And so, you know, we met up every time I come into town, we'd, we'd meet and kind of catch up. And I kind of presented her with this idea, hey, you know, there's this magazine uh, in Nashville that's doing really well, employing a lot of homeless individuals and getting them off the streets do you think that'd be viable here? And she she told me, you know what, there is a resource center that actually just launched uh, near downtown. You should go talk to them, tell them about the idea and, and see what they think. And so at the time, Westtown, where we are now, uh, was only two months old. And so she, she connected me to the deputy director at the time, um, who, you know, kind of sat down with me, listened to this kind of crazy idea, and told me just, you know, run with it, put together a plan and, and Come back when you're ready, and so over the next couple of months, you know, I'd send them something here and there, uh, kind of ideas and working on it. Uh, but then the summer before my junior years, when it really took off, and when I uh, met Rania, one, my best friend uh, from high school, introduced us because I had this idea, and you know, I kind of had this social enterprise background. By that time, I had helped another social enterprise get off the ground. And, uh, but I never worked with the homeless population. It, it wasn't a population I'd worked with. Uh, but Rania had, and that was what she was really passionate about. And so he kind of connected us and said, hey, I think you guys would make a good partnership on this. You know, she brings the homeless uh knowledge to this and you bring kind of the business and and, and enterprise background to this and so we together started working on kind of a finalized business plan and putting together um, some volunteers to kind of get off the ground and over that summer is really when I would say uh, it blossomed into what it is and and really the
0: idea developed so did you know at that time that you were going Ronnie did you know at that time you were going to actually work with the project or were you just trying to help out
2: um, yeah, no. Whitley asked me to be his partner with the project, and so um, I guess we refer to ourselves as the co-founders. And so, um, no. After he he pitched the idea to me, uh, I thought it was a really great idea. I thought it was something that could benefit our community. Um, and after seeing how it benefited other communities, um, we really thought, hey, you know, let's just give this a try. Let's see how it goes. And so I was I was committed from the from the beginning.
0: So you were already working with a homeless population.
2: Um, yeah, I had done several internships. At several different social service agencies around um, this city as well as in Waco, Texas, and so I, that was something I was really p- um, passionate about, and so I was excited for this opportunity.
0: What's the first thing you had to do to really get this off the ground?
1: Yeah, so I guess the first step was really, um, in our minds, was aligning with the Homeless Alliance, and so we knew uh, from the beginning we're young, and so we weren't scared of necessarily starting something, but we were uh, nervous about wh- how people would uh, perceive, you know, two college kids running around with this kind of crazy idea that had never really been tried in the city before. And the Homeless Alliance brought so much credibility to the table. And so to us, solidifying this partnership and, and working at the Homeless Alliance to incubate this idea was really important.
0: So when you started uh, putting the idea together for the paper or for the magazine, uh, what went through your mind about who should ride it and how are you going to turn one out uh, on a schedule and get the production done? I mean, that's a, that's a big enterprise.
2: Yeah, it, it was definitely a learning experience. I mean, we'll be honest and say we had no... Um, prior experience with putting out a publication before then. Um, we'd written a lot for schoolwork and for class and things like that, um, but but it was definitely a, a new beast to tackle. Um, but we also knew that, you know, we were dedicated to this and we were willing to do the work. Um, and we there were many, um, many phone calls to other street papers in other cities across the U.S. because there are actually 115 street papers around the world. Um, and so we called a lot of these partner street papers and said, hey, tell us about your startup. Tell us what's important. So um, they provided a lot of guidance, especially the contributor in Nashville. Um, and then the street paper model, um, it's supposed to provide two things. One, an employment opportunity for people who are homeless and at risk of homelessness, as well as um, a voice and a platform for social discussion about homelessness and local social issues. And so that was part of the model um from the beginning and we knew that that was important so we kept that as part of um, our paper and so half of our content is general interest uh, uh, food reviews movie reviews art things to do events and then the other half is written by the homeless about homelessness or about other local social issues as well as some of our pop culture pieces are also written by people who are um currently homeless or formerly homeless to try and break stereotypes we believe that their stories are important and we want them to share their experiences in the magazine but we also want to share their experiences outside of homelessness and their talents that um that make them human that not define them by their situation
0: that's really a remarkable perspective too because so many times, the homeless are also kind of invisible to a lot of people. I mean, we just they're there, but you don't really notice them. They're just part of the white noise of the city, I guess, something like that. And to give them a forum where they actually can say, well, here we are, and here's what we have, and here's what we can do, certainly must be a, a breakthrough for some of these people. Can you tell me some stories about how being a part of this project has affected some of the people that, uh, that have participated in it?
1: Yeah, I think one of the best examples is we have a vendor who's been with us since the beginning who is just an incredible encyclopedia of all things movies. The man, if you tell him an actor, he can tell you where he got his start, uh, every movie he's been in. He can name the characters he's played in these movies. Really remarkable mind for, for film. And, and just very passionate about the subject, and so we tapped into him, asking him to do some movie reviews for us. And I think uh, probably probably the best example is last Halloween, we had him write, um, you know, thirteen scary movies to see this Halloween, and. You know, his his knowledge of being able to compare these movies was just incredible. But what was really awesome is that he's always wanted to be an author. He's always wanted to publish his short stories. And so in that magazine, we not only published uh, this this film review that he was really proud of. And when customers would stop by, he'd say, "Hey, check out my story on page 13, you know. Uh, but he also, we, we took him and interviewed a local film director who uh, directed Children of the Corn, which is a, a cult classic. And of course, uh, our vendor who horror is his favorite Genre, you know, absolutely love that opportunity. But we also uh, helped him publish, uh, e-publish online his own little short story and, and promote it in that magazine. So it was just a really awesome to see his confidence boost and see him um, able to actually publish his short story as well as kind of uh, show his expertise in these films. And it, it really impressed a lot of our readers.
0: That's that's an amazing story because you never know what's really uh, what kind of talent is there undiscovered how has the reception been among the homeless to tr- to try this to give it a shot and see if they can do it
2: it's it's been good it, it's it's, it can be difficult at times because it's a very hard situation. There are a lot of barriers to employment um, that many of our vendors face, which is why we exist. We try to be a very low barrier employment opportunity for people who are homeless and at risk of homelessness. Um, and so that really means that anyone in that situation can become a vendor. Um, you don't necessarily have to have your state ID because a lot of vendors have, have lost those and we have to help them, um, you know, with resources, re, um, get those again. You can have mental health issues you can have physical health issues, um, you can be elderly and things like that. You can have um, an incarceration record and, and those won't keep you or prohibit you from being able to sure. be a vendor, um, which really kind of prohibits many of our vendors from being able to work more what we call traditional employment opportunities. 20 hour, 40 hour weeks in a traditional environment just isn't possible for um, for a lot of our vendors. And it's something that many of our vendors though are able to work towards. And after they build basic job skills with our magazine, they are able to then achieve that and we have had vendors move on to you know full-time positions at Walmart um, full-time construction work full-time lawn maintenance and things like that which we love those success stories um, but just off the bat that wouldn't have been a possibility um, unless they had that time and experience to really grow and um, and regain those basic skills like responsibility setting a schedule um, communication skills time management things like that that are really essential to success.
0: So this is a kind of a temporary relationship. I mean, you intend for it to be.
2: We really work on a case-by-case basis with all of our vendors. We have some vendors um, where this is a great transitional tool. This is something they can use, get back on their feet, and um, move on to those further employment opportunities. And then we have some vendors who have some serious barriers, um, like I mentioned before, that are more long-term. And in traditional employment opportunities might not ever be um something that they that they would be capable of but they want to work and they want to have something you know to fill their days that they can feel fulfilled by that they know that they're being active that they're giving back and also um, many of our vendors love that they are advocates for the homeless and for this situation and so um, we do have vendors um, that this is something that they plan to do long term.
0: What's been the uh, biggest challenges that you've faced so far in getting uh, getting traction and moving your project along?
1: There's certainly been a number of barriers, just in uh, as you'd have in any endeavor. Some of our big barriers have been, you know, there, there's a, a fair amount of turnover in street papers, you know, across the board, not just ours, you know. And so uh, kind of initially there's certainly a lot of that, and, and we're certainly seeing it go down a bit, but there's still a lot of turnover, and, and part of that is, you know, making sure that there's community support, uh, which is just vital to any sales really is having the support of the community. But getting out there what we're doing, what the purpose of this is, because typically what you'll find is, you know, people will talk to me and say, I, I saw them selling magazines every day for three months. I always wondered what that is. And I've never bought one. And now I know what it is. And now I'm going to buy one tomorrow, as well as the barriers Ronnie was talking about in terms of working with people to meet their needs and, and overcome their personal barriers because oftentimes uh, helping them transition to other jobs transition into housing is a matter of helping them overcome these obstacles of, of you know being more consistent being more timely uh, saying a schedule staying out longer those type of things that can take a long time you know we've had vendors who uh, one of our particular vendors when he first started selling he would sell you know maybe four hours a week he would sell a couple magazines here a couple magazines there and you know his place wasn't really consistent where he was selling and over the course of a year or so we really uh got him to sell down into one place where he was selling increased the length of time he was selling and and all of a sudden his his success really increases mm-hmm. and so that that's been another barrier that has been just helping them overcome their barriers because you know, it can be hard, especially when you're when you're sleeping on the streets and, and when you're trying to overcome some of these challenges of not having an ID, not having a uh, secure food source and things of that nature, let alone housing. It it can be very difficult to try assess schedule, to try focus on this job that can get you out of those situations, but there's so much going on that you're you're trying to overcome that can it can be very daunting, as well as trying to break the habit that you know, if you've been homeless for three years, it's very hard to overcome your your routine because you do develop kind of a schedule and, and things that you do on a regular basis.
0: What do you see for the down the road for the future of this project? Uh, is it going to? Is it catching on? Is it uh, getting easier each year to uh, to find vendors and to get more public support?
2: Yeah, things are definitely um, moving forward, and we're excited about that. We're training um, more vendors each week than we ever have before, and we're also retaining more vendors than we ever had before, which is super important. Um, we have a lot of community support now, um, but it does need to continue to grow, and um, and we believe that, that it is and can. I get um, outreach on a, on a fairly regular basis from people saying, hey, is this brand new? I've never heard of this, but I just saw a vendor. And and so we really love hearing that. But we have some big goals. one of our big goals is actually to eradicate panhandling in Oklahoma City and instead provide a positive alternative. And so that's one of our big goals, but it, it will take community support. And so, um, you know, we just ask that when people are driving around and whenever they see panhandlers um, flying signs, that they let them know that, that hey, th- there is an income opportunity for you, and it's called the Curbside Chronicle, and I would support you um, doing that, and that that's a great um, method to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of our big goals. And then also just another one of our goals is um, is just to employ more people who, who are in need with our program in Oklahoma City and continue to help them to transition into housing with their sales and to transition into further employment opportunities.
0: I've looked at the magazine online. And I noticed that you have, uh, it's a, it is kind of has some lifestyle interest in it, uh, foods and events and things like that, as well as the stories. And some of the stories are really fascinating. I read a few of them.
2: We really did our 50-50 um, split model with content on purpose. And so we wanted, um, we, we know that it's important and we wanted to include our social content. Um, we think that there's a lot that the community can learn from our vendors' stories and from their different situations. But we also knew that it was important for people to have something that was relatable to them.
0: So what kind of staff do you have, am I, am I looking at it?
2: Um, yeah, so so for the first, uh, I guess, almost two years, for the first year and eight months, we were entirely volunteer-run, um, with Whitley and I being um, mainly the, the full-time volunteers. Um, but we also have a great group of freelance writers and designers and photographers that help with the publication. But then in April of 2015, I actually uh, was fortunate enough to be able to come full-time with the magazine.
0: What's your own lessons learned? But what have you learned about yourselves, and what have you learned about... Uh, stepping out in an activity like this and showing showing how uh, this kind of leadership can really make a difference?
1: I think one of the most important lessons I've learned is that it's hard. You can struggle for two years and, and really it can be challenge, quite challenging to get something off the ground and then finally it starts to take off. And, you know, like Rania talked about, it's, it's kind of the beginning of our third year, and now we're starting to see some some good, steady growth. But, man, those first two years were, were hard. You know, there are a lot of, I, I would say, outside of college, our first year outside of college, I pulled a lot more all-nighters than I did in college trying to meet production deadlines and, and finish stories and get the magazine together and meet vendor needs and all the different type of types of things that we were doing with this. But I would also say that, you know, when you have a rewarding, innovative idea that could really change the community or, or, you know, innovate some, some process, uh, that, that could benefit others or yourself. It's almost, um, a sin really to hold it to yourself and, and, and to not go after it, you know, and it can be really nerve wracking and even going into this, I told Rania that I gave this a 25% success rate, right? Because going into anything, you know, you you can't. There's no clear success. You know, I really believed in the idea, but who knew how the homeless were going to take to it, or or the community would take to it, or anyone would really take to this. But you know, we saw that success, and now we're doing really well. Um, but it's one of those things that I, I think you have to go in, understand there may be failure, but doing everything you can to make make it succeed. But in the end, if you have a great idea, it, it. I think you have you kind of have a responsibility to at least try to make it work and sure. and give it that hard, uh, long work, those long hours that it deserves to try to make it blossom. I think I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is that starting something can be really really tough, uh,
0: but if you work really hard at it, it can also be incredibly rewarding. And I and I know that if we always wait. For a sure deal we'll probably never get anything done. It it, it will never start anything if we're waiting for a sure deal on anything. Are you seeing the uh, the homeless population really starting to, to view this whole project as a real advocate for them? I would just imagine that at first, it was probably a little bit of a tough sale.
2: Yeah, our vendors are definitely our, um, our best uh, supporters and, um, and, and the best people that recruit new vendors. I can tell somebody that they can make money with this. I can tell somebody that this is a great tool for them to transition into housing and other employment. Um, but it means something so much more if it comes from one of our vendors who's actually um, living the impact of the magazine in their life. And And, um, and so I would say definitely.
0: What advice would you have for other young people who are thinking about jumping out on a venture of their own passion and of their own interest? What would you say to them?
1: I, I think the number one thing is give it a try. You know, talk talk to the experts in the field. You know, we came to the homeless science and talked to them. Is this something that's going on? Is this something of interest to the community? And once we found out it wasn't going to be a duplicated service, there was actually a gap in the market that we could fill, and that it was something that would be of interest. We just went for it. Like Rania said, we had no experience with any type of publication. At the time, I had never done anything with graphic design. Uh, Rania's experience with editing was probably editing her, her college papers. you know, And so it's one of those things that you you just got to dive in with both feet. And you kind of learn as you go. Just because you're not the master of anything uh, doesn't mean you can't get your feet wet and, and learn over time. I certainly am still not the master of design or or editorial or magazines or anything for that matter, but I would say that I have a great breadth of knowledge that I didn't have before this experience, and and I've been able to use that in so many different avenues in in my career uh, and in my personal life and have been able to encourage a lot of other people to to do the same, and it all just kind of started with, you know, we don't have all the answers like you said, uh, but we should really give this a go because we think it's a good idea and we think it could help others.
0: Have uh, you been contacted by other uh, street papers or potential street papers who have heard about your success?
2: We're really fortunate. The international network of street papers is is very close-knit and very helpful, and we communicate together um, really on quite a regular basis. Um, There have been street papers that have reached out. Um, Internationally, in other communities, a lot of street papers, we use a similar model to them, um, to like the European street papers with our 50-50 content model, while um, domestically in the US, most street papers only do um, the social content. That's what a majority of their content
0: If people are not in Oklahoma City, can they get a copy of your paper some way?
2: Um, Yeah, you can always look up old issues at our website at www.thecurbsidechronicle.org, as well as you can always shoot us an email, and we'd be happy to mail you um, uh, some issues as well. Or you can subscribe. We do offer subscriptions, but we encourage them outside of the Oklahoma City area because we really value the interaction between vendors and customers.
0: Absolutely. And I suppose your vendors are all over the area. They're not just like in downtown. They're all over Oklahoma City, I would expect.
2: Yeah, our vendors can be found all over Oklahoma City on public property. A lot of them sell downtown, Bricktown, as well as on medians directly to cars. And um, just look for the magazine as well as green uniforms. Our vendors wear green vests that say the Curbside Chronicle on them, okay, and well, that differentiates them.
0: Right, that would be helpful then and uh, make them stand out and be easier to see and you know exactly you know, who you're dealing with. Well, I want to thank you again for, uh, for taking time to tell me about your project. I'm looking forward to great success with it. Whitley and Rania O'Connor with the Curbside Chronicle in Oklahoma City. I want to uh, encourage everyone to kind of look in on their own to uh, your project. You guys, As you said, you can find it online at what, curbsidechronicle.org. Or on Facebook uh, at
2: uh, Curbside Chronicle.
0: Okay, on Facebook. So you can be found. And it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating project. And if anyone out there is uh, looking to model a project or something like this, they can certainly learn from all that you all all have done. And so thanks again for uh, taking time to explain this to me. And I wish you well and the very, very best as this project goes forward. Thank you so much. Thank
2: you.
0: Once again, thanks for listening. Don't miss out on future episodes and you can subscribe to my blog at empoweredtolead.com and you'll get notification in your email of new podcasts when they're available. You can also listen in and subscribe right through iTunes Podcasts or on Stitcher. So I encourage you to go forth in the spirit of leading, to live each and every day by encouraging the spirit, by enlivening the heart, enlightening the mind, enlarging the expectation of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWatters. I encourage you in the spirit of leading to live empowered.